0: I'm Dan, I'm Jordan, and this is the Money Basics Podcast, podcast where we discuss money, budgeting, investing, and everything in between. And if you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, and share. Every little bit counts, and we don't grow without you. All right, welcome back to Money Basics Podcast, episode 23, or season two, episode one, whichever one you want to make it.
1: We're going to start calling it season two. It sounds cooler. <laughs> Um,
0: Yeah, so we took a hiatus for a little while, Uh, a few reasons for that, but the big one is just got really busy, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) Yep, sometimes life gets busy, and that's okay. Um, You know, a couple other minor nuances in there, but um, this episode's kind of mashed together with sort of the thoughts around a few different things, and some of which, well, I'll explain now is one of the reasons why there's been a delayed release, but anyway, uh, nonetheless really appreciate the followers on Spotify and those that have been supporting us. So, um, you know, I haven't seen the ticker go down on any followers on Spotify because of our hiatus, which I wouldn't imagine there would be, but you never know. So appreciate you guys sticking
1: around. Yeah. We've been gradually every couple of days I would check and we'd be up with, you know, a couple of views here and there. We've crossed over 2000 listens or something like that, or I don't know exactly where we're at, but it's been ticking up despite our lack of effort, which is kind of cool. So uh, hopefully, we'll get into another uh, rhythm for we'll call it season two and uh, see if we can sort of expand the reach here and and get in touch with more people. And I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just
0: f- full transparency. So I think like part of the of the the delay was like Dan and I had like a a, a weird for me and misinterpreted for me <laughs> conversation um where I thought Dan was saying that we're just shutting everything down and it really kind of confused me um but anyway that we sorted all that out and um it, what it came down to really was social media That's right. um, and I didn't really realize it I I think I was the confusion for me came from, that we had just done like the podcast with with Mo or the um, YouTube video, yeah. whatever it was, the interview with Mo, which was good. That was cool. It was. It was fun. And uh, we were like talking about like ramping up and like part of our like plans and like business plan and the bubbles that we had created was like social media and all this different stuff and we we're p- promoting and all the, the different things. Um, Anyway, I... I my, at the time too, like and hasn't changed. My work's been busy, the kids sports and stuff been ramping up and I'm super involved with all that stuff. Um, so we took like a week or I did anyway, like a full week where I didn't even like post anything, check anything, do anything. and I was like, wow, this is like a weight off my shoulders mm-hmm. as much as it didn't feel like it before because I was kind of moveded into it. It actually is quite a bit and I didn't really notice until I stopped. And then I was like, wow, this kind of is nice that I don't have this extra thing to worry about. Um, so yeah, anyway, after sort of a back and forth conversation between Dan and I straightening it out, um, we've landed on, um, basically we're just going to continue with the podcast really.
1: Yeah. Like social media is a, I've got, I've got a very weird relationship with social media. I haven't liked it for a very long time. Um, but you know, when you're trying to sort of expand, we'll call it the business, even though we're not really selling a whole lot. Um when you're trying to expand your following social media is kind of the way to do it. Right. Um, so really the whole idea when Jordan came aboard was he would handle a lot of the social media stuff and he did that uh, and he was doing a good job of it, but it's a huge job. And when you've already got a full-time career and a family and stuff uh, it's nice to have some backup. So I was making some content and Jordan was sharing it and Jordan was making content. And between the two of us, You could actually see some tangible results to the time we were putting in, and that kind of motivates you to do more and more and more, but then it kind of sucks you in, right? And then next thing you know, you're on socials all the time. And the one thing I know for sure about people, especially in an online format, is that they're mostly terrible people. (laughs) People people are emboldened to just be negative and critical of every single thing and misinterpret and misconstrue everything you say. And, you know, if you say you like one thing, that means you hate another thing. Like, it's just it's exhausting always being on the defense, trying to, like, justify everything. And then ultimately, what we kind of looked at it very deeply, our main channels where we're trying to reach people to help. We're either getting called out as if we're, we've we got some ulterior motive, which isn't true, um, or we're just not reaching the people we're trying to reach. We're trying to explain very basic concepts and educate And we're doing it on some platforms where like the people we're connecting with are way more advanced than that. And they kind of turn around and and criticize you like, yeah, dumbass, it's not like that or whatever, right? And it becomes this thing that just sucks the energy right out of you. And over time, it brings you down, brings you down. And we just kind of took a step back and looked at all of our different lines of what we do with Money Basics. And we thought, what are the things that are really benefiting people and, and, and the things that we enjoy doing? And we just realized we're putting in all this effort to push people towards a handful of lines that really, I don't think that we're targeting the right people for some of the courses and stuff. Um, So, you know, you're wasting all this energy for what gain. And some of the stuff we get the most value out of is the podcast, because that generates real discussion. And it seems like we're heavily targeting exactly the people we want to target here. Like, that's who we're reaching. Like we're getting people reach out directly to us or through people we know friends of friends emails whatever and we're getting people saying like hey thanks for doing this or generating discussions and that's super cool and like that's what we're after that's what we want so we decided we're going to focus more on the podcast and less on some of that other stuff um, and then the other line that is pretty beneficial is the articles. I like to write. It helps me flesh out my thoughts. We actually make money off the articles and that's what pays for stuff like the microphone we're speaking on right now and the laptop we're using to record. So it's not a huge amount of money, but it creates enough revenue to roll back in to, to basically up our production value here. Um, so I think we're, we're just going to sort of focus on those, take a huge step back from social media once in a while post things here and there but we're not really watching it that closely Um, and I guess sort of the plan is just hope for organic growth and word of mouth and we're just going to try not to stress about it so much because what's the use of like draining all our energy and ruining our day for what like we're trying to provide a service here we're not really gaining that much so you know we're just going to do the things we like and just see how it shakes out I guess. Yeah. And to, to your point, I think like that, the podcast, like
0: doing this is fun Yeah, and we, and like, we, we got into a routine, we got out of it, but like, I would like drive down to your place. We'd make a night out of it. Right. We'd record a podcast, you know, and then do fun stuff after. I think like even the podcast is like, that's always been positive. Absolutely. Um, And the other stuff just sort of, and I didn't even notice it. And and it was actually my wife that pointed out after we sort of stopped. she's like you're not on uh on your phone half as much anymore and all this uh different stuff and i was like you're right and i noticed that like my battery's not dead anymore <laughs> either and like, yeah. i look at my like um you know you can check your screen time and all that like i used to average like
1: four to five hours of screen time a day now i'm down to like two so like it's like a yeah. cut it, and It's healthy for a number of reasons yeah. right it frees up time in your day it frees up bandwidth in your mind and it's just it's not this thing that's destroying your attention span constantly, right? Um, and all to to push messages to people who mostly, like, probably only 10%, it actually lands at the right people. The other 90% are just people who either don't want to hear it, they're overly critical, or just outright negative. Um, and, and everyone's got this, like, com- well, not everyone, but a huge portion of people on the channels we were on, they've got this, like, complex where it's, like, it's so important to be right. It's like, I'm right and you're wrong. and And we're just... Not trying to play that game. That's not what we're trying to do. So it's just sort of spinning our tires for no reason. Yeah, that's a good segue into the next like point that
0: we're trying to make here is um I want to focus our my discussion, our discussion now on on specifically Blossom. So we had been promoting Blossom a lot when we had gone on it and uh not to crap on the platform and the creators. I think they've they're doing a really good job and I've had really good experience with them, you know, just working on the, uh, you know, they created this new app and they're trying their best to make it as good as possible from a um, operations perspective. Um, But I think, you know, a lot of people that have joined, like you said, are just either they're too advanced or they don't know what they're talking about, they think they do, or it's just just a huge open platform that has been mostly negative Mm -hmm. um, for me. Uh, and, and I think for you too, and we've met some awesome people, you
1: know, Moe's one of them. Yeah, Uh, There's a handful of people in there that are like super positive, great contributors, but unfortunately you've got the thousands that aren't that competing against the couple dozen that are that. And it's just, it's an imbalance.
0: And then on a personal note. So I also noticed that when I, when I disconnected from Blossom specifically, uh, a lot of the noise in my own head decreased around investing. Yeah. So I was really like beating myself up because the markets have been down. And as much as you think, like we look at past events, right. And you look at charts and you look at all these different things and you're like, Oh, you know, like I would have been completely fine in those scenarios. It, it's a different ball game when you got skin in the game. It's a different ball game Mm -hmm. when you're watching your portfolio go down and down because of markets and things that are out of your control. And you always think that you're going to weather the storm fine because you're sound in your investment strategy, or at least these are my thoughts. And when I was on this app, I just, I I started to really question it. A lot of my investing Mm -hmm. strategy, cause you've got, uh, 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 the way it was going, we had like dividends are evil the camp of dividends are evil Then yeah. the camp of like, you need to do ETF investing. Then the camp of, oh ETF investing is
1: stupid and you should look at crypto. I don't know. It was just, yeah. it was all over the place. It's all competition though. Yeah. You, and, and, it, and, and I used to try to be the voice of reason and be like, Hey, what if I told you that like, you can like a growth stock and you can also like a dividend stock and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> People just lose their mind. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> it was a
0: lot. And I, I remember getting into a lot of different debates and arguments and posting and sharing and doing this and doing that. And like, I was getting like, Fit like physiological symptoms were happening. Like I was getting like butterflies in my stomach, and like I was getting like red in my
1: face. Like checking your your socials for a reply. Like yeah, fifteen more refresh, refresh, refresh. Right, and like really, like best case scenario, what are you gonna get here? You're gonna win an an argument against because like as
0: soon as I disconnected, I stopped looking at my portfolio. I just kept rolling my dividends in. I'd be adding you know things here and there, and like you know what like markets slowly starting to turn around. Things are looking pretty good. And I'm like, I'm not questioning my crap. Like I was at the point where I was like, I should just cut my losses, sell everything I own and just go straight up into ETF investing Mm -hmm. from this point. I don't think that's a bad strategy, but I think it would have been selling, basically I'd be selling at the lowest point. I bought high, so if I did that, it
1: would have been buying high, selling low, and then buying something else. And like funny is depending what ETF you're looking at, like there'd be a decent chance you'd be selling all of these companies individually to buy an ETF that holds yeah. all of those same companies. <laughs> exactly. So like, I, I was like, irrationally thinking this in my mind, I'm glad I didn't
0: act on any of it. And that was, you know, but I, I the point is, is like, I'm not questioning my decision-making anymore. Like, no, I, I have these companies. I'm, I'm happy about them. I'm sound, I have, i'm I'm sticking to my guns and with my own investing style, and I don't have all this noise hmm. and it's funny I ran into so we're working at work um we're doing a whole bunch of like projects and one of the teams that's working with us a lot is Ryan lemming uh, is heading it. He's the guy that yeah, uh, does I the Get him Rich Twitter brothers. On and uh we we touched we're we don't have much time to talk investing and i wish i did i sh- we should like i should invite him out to dinner or something we should just chat because like I, he's he's very passionate about this stuff and he's fun to talk to but i we brought it up at one time like 10 minutes before our meeting and i sort of mentioned that to him that like i just had to stop going on socials and like de- and and he basically finished my sentence he's like decrease the noise i'm like yeah he's <laughs> like yep. like he knew exactly what
1: i was talking about and um yeah so it made me feel a little more confident in my thing well circling back to what you're saying you know You've got all this noise from socials, and you're watching, you know, let's flash back like two, three months ago, you're watching portfolios drop. And, you know, you're saying it's one thing to like look at that in theory, but when it's actually happening, it's tough, right? But I find that funny because, like, you're a fairly new investor, a couple years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this to me has been, this is my, like, I'll call it second cycle of this. Like, when I initially started investing, I had very, very mild success. I kind of cashed out, bought the house. And then when I got back into investing, I started getting back into it on a downward swing, which culminated in like the depths of COVID hell, right? So watching that, like I watched my portfolio drop probably 50% across the board. And same like you're saying, same thoughts, like you're questioning yourself, should I sell everything? Oh my God. And then at a certain point, you just kind of like go full blown insane. And you're like, you know what? I don't care. It's just money. I'm broke, whatever. You just kind of accept it, right? Uh, But then it turned around. And it turned around hard. And next thing you know, my down 50% was like up 50%, maybe not that extreme, but it was a significant upswing. Um, So then I kind of learned from that, like, hey, all that theory I read turned out to be true. It's just a cycle. You just got to sit through. Assuming you've got high quality companies that aren't going anywhere, you're probably going to be just fine. And that's exactly what it was. So now I'm in this boat. Now you were, I mean, it's getting better recently, but a few months ago. Like you're in the same cycle, you're watching it go down, you're freaking out. I've been cool as a cucumber, frustrated occasionally, but at no point am I thinking I should sell everything. You know, I make strategic sales when companies don't do the things I was hoping they would do. For the most part, I'm like, eh, it'll turn around. Here we are turning around again, you know? Yeah. So I think the next cycle, you're (laughs) gonna
0: be way more confident. (laughs) Yeah, I think that the last straw for me that like, you know, the last straw that broke the Camel's back basically or like like affected me the most mentally was I it was I don't remember if we posted it or it was a share. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I saw a post and it was basically basically like if your portfolio is down X amount and it was a chart. That you have to gain. So, like, say your portfolio is down 50%, you have to gain 100% to regain that 50%, -hmm. not just like crush me for some reason. Because I was looking at my portfolio, I've got like a third in the weed stocks that's down like 80% or more. And I'm like, wow, like, I'm an idiot. Like, you know, that's all I could think. And, and like, but now, like, that I've disconnected and I'm coming at it a little bit more fresh, I'm like, I could have never predicted that. No. Nobody can. And just focusing on those weed stocks, like, When I bought them, they were going up, like some things were happening and it was going crazy. And I was like, I'm going to miss the boat. And I like right now it seems like, yeah, I bought at its peak, but I didn't, (laughs) I don't think I did. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe they're all going to die. But, but again, like I need to just even take a step further back and be like, I've invested with money again that I don't need. That's you right. Know, like, that's, that's like rule number one. If that crashes and burns, yeah, I'm not going to be happy about it, but it's not going to, I don't have to sell my house. I'm not losing the share off my back. Like yeah. life is going to continue. And I'll be like, well, that was an expensive lesson. How am I going to do it differently moving forward? Exactly. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's a lesson. Yeah. Um. And, and the other side of my portfolio is doing great. Like the dividends are rolling in the companies that I've invested in, which I find interesting. So like, as an example, like, Tell All the telecoms, right? Tell us, Bell, the, back the and banks, uh, the, the real estate investment, the the REITs that yeah. I have. Everyone was like freaking out because they're like, oh my God, interest rates and they're all going to crash and they're going to cut their dividends. And all this crazy stuff's happening. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I haven't really looked at it much, but you yeah. know, of course my news feed pops up and I yeah. like that because I see like news, right, of the stocks. Most of the ones I just named have increased their dividends dividends. because they're strong businesses able to weather the storm. So I'm thinking like now, okay, like what's all this freaking out about these companies that have seemingly high payout ratios, super crazy debt. They're all going to go bankrupt, like all this like noise. Mm -hmm. Why would a company ever increase its dividend if all those things were
1: true? They they
0: probably wouldn't.
1: There's no way. Companies of those sizes, uh, it would be unlikely. Like that'd be a huge failure in management when you're you're a multi, multi multi-billion dollar company. Like management teams, when you're that size, typically tend to be pretty experienced. So not to say that people can't do stupid things, but it's less likely that they're going to make some harebrained decision like that. Um, But yeah, like when you listen to the noise of all these people like, oh, you know, all these companies are going down, sell, 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 you're going to go bankrupt. Like that's the the whole Warren Buffett thing about, you know, buy when there's blood in the streets, right? Be be greedy when others are fearful. Like that's what that is. Mm -hmm. And what did all these businesses have in common? Why were they all going down? It's because they all deal in large amounts of debt. When interest rates go up, that makes their cost of debt very expensive, which then hurts their bottom line. But we know debt is cyclical, like, or, or interest rates are cyclical, right? Um, so this is the blood in the streets that Warren Buffett talks about. This is when you make your buys, because on the other side of that cycle, when interest rates start coming down, these businesses, all of a sudden, they've they've gone lean through the hard times, meaning they've streamlined efficiency. They're ready for to handle this. Right. And then as interest rates come down, all of a sudden their profits skyrocket because they were just set up to deal with high interest rates. Now, all of a sudden, everything gets cheap for them and they can just explode. So, you're going to see them increasing, which I think is what we're seeing now because there's sort of that chatter in the wind about interest rates starting to come down. You're seeing GICs come down. You're seeing mortgage rates start to come down. So, I think what we're seeing is the beginning of that effect for the banks, the real estate, the telecoms, all the high debt industries. We're seeing them start to like, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel here and people are flocking to that. Um, a big example of companies taking advantage of this, look at RealCan; They've just suspended their their cash output for the next like whatever it is. I think a couple quarters they said, they're basically like, okay, debt's pretty high. We're not taking on any more debt. We're just going to streamline the operations we currently have. We're going to reduce costs um, and, and just kind of wait and see how things shake out. And I saw a report, they're going to free up like something like a hundred million dollars. Don't quote me on this. You'd have to research it, but it was like a tremendous amount of money and free cash flow that they're going to free up or FFO, I guess, for, for real estate. Um, they're free up all this cash in the next couple of quarters. So basically they're creating this huge, this huge war chest of available cash. So what happens when all of a sudden debt starts to get cheaper? Now they've got a big mountain of money and they say, Hey, let's take advantage of that. It's no different than what I'm telling you I'm doing for my mortgage, right? Interest rates are currently high. I've got a mortgage renewal coming. I'm saving up cash. If rates come way down, that creates massive opportunity when I'm sitting on a bunch of cash, right? It's no different. Just that uh, like 8 million times bigger scale. Sounds very similar to what the Canadian banks are doing. Oh, exactly. Or have been doing, I should say, for a millennial. (laughs) Most of the banks have been doing pretty well. Like they've been running pretty tight ships. EQ has been another impressive one. Canadian Western Bank's done well. RBC did well. Uh, CIBC was better than expected. Uh BMO and Scotiabank were like I can't remember exactly BMO. Scotiabank was trash, but no no, yeah, no surprise yeah. there. Uh BMO, I thought there was something sketchy there. It's been a little while. But, anyways, on average, the banks tend to be pulling through pretty decently. And we're gonna, I think, start seeing some of those provisions for credit loss. So the banks, they put aside all kinds of money in case people start not paying their, their debts back. Um and that shows up on their balance sheet as a loss. They have to count that against their their income. Uh, but what it really is is just a pool of money on the side, so it counts as a loss. But later on, if they don't spend that money on dealing with those credit losses, it gets released back into their coffers. So then, you know, two years from now, you might see it. It's like the opposite of a provision for credit loss. So they release that money, and it counts as a positive line on their net income. Um, so then all of a sudden it looks like if you were just like somebody didn't understand a balance sheet, you'd be like, Oh my God, they had the best quarter ever, but they're just releasing all this cash they'd set aside. So I think a lot of these banks, you're going to start seeing that in the next couple of quarters. I mean, nothing's for sure, but, uh, I'm not overly worried about most of those banks. That's one buy that I'm really happy about with my TD. I'm, I, a
0: big portion of money into TD and it's been floating around my buy price and it's right. starting to slowly go up. Yeah, So that was one that um, I'm pretty happy about. I've got a few like that, that I just need to remember that like, Hey, you know, like I've got a long time horizon and this is going to be a blip in the, in the timeline mm-hmm. later on five to 10 years
1: from now yeah. or more. Yeah. It, to me, it was a no brainer buying the Canadian banks when they were so beat down, Yeah, especially when they got caught up in the news cycle of the American bank stuff. Yeah. TD, um, like went crazy. because yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, Oh my
0: God, US exposure. TD's going to go bankrupt. I'm like,
1: well, you could buy a CIBC at like a six and a half or a 7% dividend yield because that's how beat down it was. It's like, you know, these, this bank's been around since like the 1800s. It's very likely not going anywhere. Sure, it's not the best of the big six, but it's a pretty solid, like even the worst of the big six is still a pretty solid institution, right? Yeah. So it's like, you I, to me, I'm looking at that and I'm like, I don't love CIBC, but because they're like this foundational bank. Like, how could you not buy it at a seven percent dividend yield? You know, they've they've figured it out. They've gone through the Great Recession, they've gone through like eight other recessions since. I think they're gonna be okay through this. So mm-hmm. I've bought a whole bunch and like you say, it's all coming back now. It seems to be doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, my CBC's still down a bit. I can average down on that. And that's brings me to my next point. Is like I'm beating myself up about like these I need to make these astronomical gains to recap regain my losses and then make profit. But I neglect. I neglected to remember and really reinforce the fact that like I can. I have. A, we have opportunity to average down mm-hmm. our buying price, which decreases that gap, right? Yeah. I mean, like, if I might not have enough free cash flow in my life to to get you know to average it down as much as it's
1: gotten down, but nonetheless, every dollar brings me an inch closer, right? And the other thing you have to think about too is like you know this whole okay if you've lost fifty percent you have to gain one hundred percent to gain it back or whatever that chart said. Um, like this happens to successful companies all the freaking time like amazon uh, once again don't quote me on this i read a book on it so i don't remember the stats offhand. but like amazon dropped like 70 percent like three times in its life it dropped 80 percent like once or twice and each time it's recovered and if you had held through all this crap you would be up many many times over on your investment uh google's had similar huge drops Uh, apple's been destroyed in the past and come back from it Uh, I think Nike had a rough go like this happens all the time so I don't know I try not to think of it so much in terms of percentage just look at the dollar amount stock price and you know these things fluctuate it happens just focus on how good is that company operating what are the catalysts how likely are the catalysts and how are they handling the current situation if they're checking all the boxes the rest is just noise Mm, for sure um okay so i want to shift the gears just a wee bit
0: so the other one of the other slight reasons why there's been a delay in a release of podcast so we were going to mel and i were going to record one a couple weeks ago the other thing that transpired too is that um well basically mel and i screwed up um our own personal finances um as we've talked about before mel and i are both spenders and we have you know uh, been through our debt um, issue and and resolved it and gotten out of it. Um, but it slowly cre- crept back up and uh, put us in a bit of a pickle. Um, so the point of me talking about this is to show people that even those who have gone through it and have some experience with having the the learned and lived experience can still get caught up in overspending. Um, part of the problem was two two big big factors. We weren't keeping each other accountable. Um, this time around was more Mel than me, but she might slap me for that, but it is what it is. Um, but also I'm at fault because I wasn't, I I had full confidence and trust and I wasn't really keeping an eye on things and keeping Mel accountable as she keeps me accountable. Um, and that's a system that we've ironed out now and that works well for both of us. So at this point, we've we've tweaked the way that we, we've been doing our budget. Before we used to just, pre-plan our expenditures and then track um, what we were spending. But there were certain things we weren't putting in the, in the budget. So for example, our benefits. Okay. So if I went for a massage and I paid $100 for a hundred bucks for massage and then my benefits covered a hundred bucks, I would not put that in my budget at all. That's how I used to run as well. And I've recently switched. Yeah. So now I put that in that I put that in as an expense under whatever. And then I put the, when I received the benefits back a hundred dollars in, in as an income, mm-hmm. that way it's not only is it budgeting, but also expense tracking. Yep. Totally balanced that way. Yeah. Because what was happening is what we weren't doing that it, benefits was an example, but there was other things that we just, it would just fall through the cracks and get missed. So there was certain things that weren't being put on there. Um, and the other thing too, is like I made a separate sort of sheet for Mel to track all of her stuff with the silver right. racing, like her, her her little business that she's doing. Um, the, the separate sheet was just, so we streamlined it. It's all in the same app now. Like we're just putting it into like our personal finance budget. So there's just a couple of things that we've done. And that makes
1: sense. If it's coming out of personal accounts, then it should be budgeted just like personal money,
0: right? Yeah. So I have to um, commend Mel, but, but also us because one, we caught this early enough where it didn't become a huge problem. And actually it's been a month since we've tweaked things and we're already like almost full turnaround. So it just shows you that like, like our income hasn't increased in a month, um, you know, just the fact that we've heightened up the spending and and just focused on what we need versus what we want, um, and just didn't haven't been doing any needless spending for a month. Not to say that it hasn't been an expensive month because Christmas is coming up and some other things. Like we just we have a lot of we have a lot of um, expenses, but we've still managed to put away almost four thousand nice. dollars just in the span of a month. Wow! Um, just just by just you know being accountable and and having more communication. So like now if like anything comes up, like a good example, like Mel wanted some special hair stuff because of something that she wants to take care of. She said, Hey, like there's this product I use. It's on sale. It's this amount of money. You know, this is a reason why I want it. It, it. It, you know, it was, it was a want, but it was a need also. And I said, yeah, sounds great. So like, I don't know, maybe that kind of system doesn't work for some people because they think like, Oh, you're policing or you need to ask someone permission or stuff. Mel and I don't take it that way. Um, to us it's more of an open dialogue and discussion. That's right. And I do the same thing with her and and it works because like I've been eyeballing like Black Friday, come, you know, there's a lot of uh pressures and and um uh things that pop in your face during these big Yeah events right like black friday and cyber monday and all this stuff so there's been some really good prices on things that i i want you know and i've floated it to mel a few times and like she's like you know what like no it's not a need and like she would have been reasonable if it wasn't need probably would have bought it but it's not so we like made the decision that we'll look at that stuff again next year maybe the price will be better and we'll be in a better position because right now we're really focusing on paying uh putting money away for a trip to portugal
1: so we've got a goal in mind and uh but I don't see like the whole term. It's like whole oh, asking permission. It's such a like negative connotation to it. I don't see it that way at all. It's, it's that's just good teamwork. It's keeping your partner informed and in the loop on decision making on something that's ultimately going to affect both of you. Mm-hmm. That's just being a good teammate.
0: Right. Yeah, and, and and Mel was really good. Like you know when we had the chat, she sort of said like you know what like I'm um, you know there's there was it's been a weird couple of months, you know, there's been a lot of things going on, like both of our mental health's been a little off. Um, you know, and she just sort of admitted that like these, um, spur of the moment pur- purchases was something that she was trying to sort of fill a void. Um, and, and, she she deleted all the stuff that was popping up in her face. Good. Get
1: rid of the of the temptation. Okay? Yeah,
0: She got rid of her Amazon app. She got rid of like whatever, like any of the temptations that were coming up. She's like, you know what, like this is just like is too much and I just can't handle it right now and just mm-hmm. got rid of it. So now like everything's kind of streamlined through my accounts. So if we need something, she'll be like, hey, can you order this on Amazon? It's like whatever it is, you know, like cat food or something, you know, something we need. Great. Um, so, you know, proud of her for doing that. And, um, you know, she also like went out and said that, you know, her silver icing was an issue and they're the, the business I always knew, they're not sketchy per se, but they definitely really encourage their salespeople to buy their product yeah. because they get a significant discount. Yeah. But they take, they take off of your commission when you buy stuff off of them. So it doesn't seem like you're spending your own money, what you are because yeah. you're taking from your income from from what they're paying you right yeah so um anyway they just so she kind of she really slowed that down she even said that maybe I should just stop like working for them period I said I'd be okay with that um she hasn't actually so um um but things are going well I mean it's an extra income it's a couple yeah. hundred bucks a month for now um but I, anyway so the point is, is like communication's been open we sort of caught it before it was a complete derailment and um because basically what happened is we had money stockpiled and then we had no money stockpiled. <laughs> so we didn't accumulate debt per se, but our savings were drained. Um, so yeah, it's just been nice. And like I said, we're, we're maybe a month and a half in, but like definitely a month. And like, yeah, like all of a sudden we've got a couple thousand dollars saved already. No problem. So it's, um it's nice to be able to turn things around like that.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's important to look at this. Like there's always shame associated with falling back on behaviors that you've corrected. Right. And I learned about this so often through my line of work, like PTSD and occupational stress injuries It's the same sort of thing. Like people have this mentality It's like, okay, let's say I got PTSD. For example, I go see the shrink, I get the help, whatever. And then like everyone just expects that like on the other end of that tunnel, you're good now it's cured. But that like, that's not how behaviors work. You always have that. But you don't have to label that as like this weakness or if you fall back on these like negative behaviors that that was like a weakness or a personal fault or whatever. It's not that you got to look at the other way. It's like, okay, I've got this thing, whatever it is. Okay. This predisposition to act a certain way and whether that's PTSD or whether that's spending behaviors, whatever your thing is. But when you've gone through the valley and come out the other side, even when you have these like mini relapses, instead of thinking like, wow, what a failure, you should twist your mindset and think I've been here before. I've recognized it early, and the reason I recognize it early is because I've built the skill set to recognize it, and I now have the skills to deal with it. And that's true f- for occupational stress injuries, PTSD, for, for for whatever behavior, right? You use the skills you've got going through that journey to make it better going forward, right, to either recognize it or deal with it more efficiently. That's all it is, and if you keep practicing and you keep like sharpening that skill set, eventually when you get way down the other end, you're going to be a stronger person for it, right? Because there's a lot to be said for resilience rather than just not having it at all, right? Anyways.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good segue into like kind of what we're going to talk about next. And that's, I've had conversations, I mean, we've had conversations since we started this podcast, but we've had, I've had conversations recently about, you know, just that, is like that behavior modification and how, Spending habits are hard to break, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know I've had very recent conversation with somebody about you know um, getting their kids involved in some extracurricular activities that were quite expensive. But the person also indicated to me that they were having they had a maxed out line of credit and a maxed out credit card, and their excuse was, "Well, I want my kids to have what I didn't have when I was a kid." So on one hand, I get that Um, you know you definitely want something more for your children and get them involved in activities that they like. But on the other hand, I'm thinking a little bit further down the road, what's mm-hmm. that gonna look like? That's right. So and we did that whenever Mel and I had like our major issue and we had tons of debt. Like we we didn't put the kids in stuff. Like, and luckily for us, the kids were pretty young at that time. I think they were three and two. Um, so they weren't involved in too, too much anyway, at that time. And we were selective and we took the cheaper things while we were trying to dig out of debt. Um, and, and now it's given us the opportunity to like like one of my kids is in a traveling hockey team and the other ones, you know, we, you know, we're kind of doing whatever we want now because we can afford it. So that kind of just made me think of it and I was trying to get that person, like to point that out to that person about long term and like they yeah. just shut that down right away and they said, I'm
1: not even thinking long term. Yeah. And there's your problem. Yeah. Right? You need, doesn't matter where what stage you're at, like that needs to be a consideration. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you must consider that. Because if you never start taking steps to improve the long term, like your short term is always going to be terrible because at no point did a plan ever kick in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I don't like
0: personally, I don't want to ever feel like that again. Like that, like dread and despair of like knowing that, like, I think I, on a daily basis, I thought like, if only I could just find like $5,000 I'd be okay. Or if only I like this magic thing would happen or someone would fix my problem. You know, like I had that mindset for a while that like that externalizing the, The issue, you know, when in in reality it was an, it was an internalized issue. It was a spending problem,
1: right? Like, um, yeah. People with that mindset, like if only had five thousand, if somebody gave you five grand, it wouldn't be long until you're right back in the same Exactly. because you haven't learned the skills that you need to like not be in that position. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't know if that segues into what you wanted to talk about. You sort of mentioned your thoughts and like work ethic and all that kind of stuff. Cause I heard it ties into, so
1: yeah, I like I've, I've got a lot of thoughts, and uh, I wrote up a little bit of a list of, of things that have been popping up a lot in conversations I've been having lately, and I do some of my deepest thinking when I'm doing cardio at the gym because it's so boring, <laughs> and instead of watching YouTube videos and stuff, I'll usually just pop in some music and just kind of stare off into space and just think. Um, anyways, I had a bunch of thoughts the other day at the gym, and... and one of the big themes that i'm seeing over and over again like you know with work colleagues with friends with friends of friends i hear about people talking about it's just this lack of motivation like everybody is just so down and out on everything i find um you know whether it's people hating their jobs people not making enough money houses are too expensive uh, you know what's the point like i'm i'm broke inflation's so high it's just negativity over and over again and i i, I don't really give these people specific advice. I'm kind of past giving people advice unless they specifically seek it from me. And I'll take that even a step further. Even when somebody seeks advice from me, I'm like, I like dip the toe in the water first because a lot of times they don't want advice. They just want a quick fix to their problem. And and honestly, I I can't give you a quick fix. I don't know that there is no quick fix. You need to work on yourself and figure out solutions to your own problems. And I'm happy to help where I can, but like nobody is going to fix your problems. You need to fix your problems. And this constant like cycle of negativity and like oh i'm so unmotivated i hate this and i hate that like this is just super not helpful you're just digging yourself down into a hole and occasionally yes people get dealt bad hands like i get that cool but the fact that you've been dealt a bad hand doesn't mean that you can't do shit to get yourself out of that hole like you need to take accountability and say like you know what i accept this i've been dealt a shitty hand how am i going to fix this and a lot of people i talk to they have no plan and they're taking no tangible efforts to fix this fix this and that pisses me off like i can't believe that and and they just complain and complain and complain and it's just it's infuriating so the big thing that's been going through my mind lately is like the world like i don't know about you i don't know about the rest of the people out there but like i'm not i'm not playing defense man i'm playing offense like screw this this victim mentality like oh okay life isn't going the way i want it to so i'm just going to give up and blame the government or inflation for whatever like okay uh, doesn't matter you got to start moving towards a solution that so play offense how can you fix this even if it's hard even if it's not fair what can you do to get out of this fucking hole and start moving towards your goals like it's i don't know i find that infuriating it's this defeatist attitude right um So I don't know, that's just sort of where my head's been at lately. And, and I think people just need to find motivation and that's hard. And I don't know the answer, how you find your motivation, like the, from point A to point B if point B is your motivation, like, and point A is your like despair, being lazy and tired and beat down. Um, like, I don't know how to get to point B, but I know some steps that will definitely get you closer to it than the steps you're currently taking. And those steps, it's very simple. It's just make yourself smarter make yourself stronger make yourself better like just just do shit like pick up a book and read listen to an audiobook get up a little bit early get a workout in like do those things you know you're supposed to do eat some fucking broccoli like like you do all these little things that you know you're supposed to do and be disciplined about it even when it's hard especially when it's hard and all these little things as you get smarter as you get stronger you get healthier you're gonna start finding things are gonna to start to click and you're gonna find links between things. And you're gonna see how getting up early and eating good food that's gonna increase your motivation. And sure, it might not get you from like being like broken down and beat down on the couch to like being a millionaire. But these little steps, they're going to get you that much closer, and it's going to encourage the next step. And all of a sudden, you're reading a book, and you're learning new knowledge from that. And all of a sudden, you're connecting those dots, so you're a better performer at work. And all of a sudden, you're motivated at work, and you see your boss isn't doing such a good job, and you're thinking, hey, you know what? My boss isn't that smart, because I've been reading and getting smarter for the last year every single day. And then you start taking initiative. The next thing you know, you take the boss's job, or you find another opportunity elsewhere, or you find a new passion. Like, all these little things snowball. And I I don't know, this is big time rant, I get it. But I've had like six conversations in the last couple months and this is all the shit that I don't say to people because I don't want to offend anybody. But now that I'm just broadly talking to the world, if you don't like it, you can click off and it's fine. Um, This is the shit that people need to hear, I think. And and I get it, like, I'm not perfect. I've, I've, I've spent weeks sitting on the couch doing nothing. I sometimes drink beer and do edibles and watch TV and do nothing. But like the majority, like, if you take a snapshot of a month for me, I'm moving the ball forward, right? I'm, I'm more often than not taking steps forwards towards the goal rather than complaining about my situation. And if you look at, a, at the last five or 10 years of my life, like the, if you were to chart out my progress, the chart goes like up and to the right. Even though there's little ups and downs and dips and valleys, like it goes up and to the right. And that's because I consistently practice this shit as much as I can, even when I stumble. That's it. Rants over. <laughs> should I should I edit that out? Was that too much? No,
0: no, good. <laughs> What's the point of this, right? Um, I find most people like if if we um hone in a little bit on say like the financial top piece, I find most people that are looking for advice like make no tangible effort to actually make any changes. Even the simplest stuff like budgeting, like to them that's like cancer. Yeah. Um yeah. and they're the, the same people that'll turn around and buy like a five thousand dollar thing. Yep. Yeah. Or make payments on it, I should say, not buy it. Yeah. Um that's that's a pattern I've noticed a lot, you know, and like I I'm I'm noticing a lot of stuff now, and like I want to be careful what I say because I don't know, I, I don't think any of my employees are listening to this podcast, but they could be. But I'm telling you, man, like there's some stuff like in this in, in a manager job is like I can't believe it. Um you know, I, I have people that are like, I'm in the hospital right now. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I might need my shift tonight covered, but I hope not because I, I need to work because I'm broke. Yeah, I... uh, and said person just told me they... I mean, I'm a pretty friendly guy. People tend to talk to me and tell me stuff, even though I don't really ask for it. I'm just, I'm social like that and I don't mind. Like it's cool. Um, So I don't like prime my employees be like, Hey, like, w- you know, what are your finances? Like, I don't really you know care that yeah. like, it, it's not my business. Yeah. Um, but people like, you know, share stuff and like, you know, the, my, a lot of my employees like are just buying shit left, right and center and they don't yeah. make that much money, but like most of them don't work all their shifts. Like people don't show up, they call in sick, they don't get paid for sick time. Like, there's all this stuff and I'm like, I don't understand. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't get it.
1: Yeah. But one thing I will say that's encouraging, like in the last couple of months, I've sat down, like for hours, I've sat down with three, I believe, three people that have come to me asking for help and whatever. It could have been a small thing, could have been a big thing, generalized thing, specific thing, whatever. And we've sat down for like many hours talking about this stuff and they've shown up, they've taken notes. They've like, they took it seriously. And like that to me is super encouraging, right? Like even, no not everybody has to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Like, but the fact that somebody shows up and puts the time in and, and I tell them, even when we do that, like we have sat down with somebody for like five hours, like just talking basic, basic personal finance. And I told them like, you're going to retain, 10 or 20% of this, probably, and that's okay. Like, that is back to my analogy that is moving the ball forward. And I tell them, if you want to come back and do this over, I'll repeat the same message to you if you need it. Like, I don't mind that. The fact that you're stepping up, trying to take that step to get better, like, that's what I care about. And, you know, when you've got people, you're saying, like, well, I don't know who listens to this podcast. I would bet if you do have people in your life listening to this podcast, I would bet that they are more likely than those who don't to be the ones that are going to see success in their future. And it's not because we're gurus. It's not because we're going to teach you. We don't know. We're just figuring it out just like everybody else is. But it's because that's the person whose mindset is set on making themselves better. They're trying to learn. They're trying to figure out tricks, trying to figure out how to get ahead. They're not being the victims. They're taking tangible steps. And whether it's us or some other podcast, these are the people who are, who are working on it. You know. So, yeah, I don't know. I, that's kind of encouraging to me, actually. Yeah. Cause I mean, again,
0: going back to the finance of things like, um, inflation is getting arguably better. It's on pause right now ish mm-hmm. in Canada. Yeah. Um, but prices aren't going to go down Yeah, for I most don't know. things. I, mean, I, I would say like, you know, living expenses, yeah, like, I groceries would agree and the main yeah, bills and like right. probably gas, like things are still going to be expensive. And I think like, vehicles are going to remain ex- like there's certain items, big ticket items, certain livable yeah. items that are going to stay expensive. Things yeah. aren't going to change. If you see a reduction. It'll be pretty it, minor it, it definitely bothers things. me when people do like, right. But up. yes, we know things are expensive. Like get over it, move forward. Right. Like yeah. I, I hate that. When we're just caught in this wheel. Of, yep. Oh my God. Gas is so expensive. Yep. Okay. Well I'll figure it out. You know, like th- there's things that you can't control things that you can't control. And like, I don't know if just sitting in that sorrow is helpful. And I get that. Like I get what you're saying
1: yeah and you know i I made a note actually just on that specific uh, point there it's like i get it there's a lot of these things that really suck like inflation that's hurting people there's no doubt about it that's increasing grocery bills some people don't work jobs that pay them ridiculous amounts of money and that's really affecting them like their ability to like feed their families and like have quality foods and stuff and i get that but being caught in this hamster wheel complaining about it you're not fixing shit like if all you're going to do is walk around complaining about everything and that's, that's the extent of it. Like you're, you're doing less than nothing. You're in fact, just stressing everyone else out and bringing everyone else down with you. So if you truly care, like if you're really concerned about this stuff, like step up and, and fucking do something about it. So like, Hey, don't like Trudeau's policies, like go run for government. <laughs> like Okay. Like you complain all you want. You're solving nothing. So either sit down and shut up or get up, go join politics, and try to make a meaningful difference, or find a way to improve your situation where this doesn't bother you so much. Maybe there's some other option I'm not seeing here, but I promise you, sitting around complaining about it isn't moving the ball forward, it is not fixing anything. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's a big leap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying be but become the new <laughs> prime minister, but, like, my point is, like, like what do you what do you think you're doing? Sitting around complaining about everything constantly. Like there's so many people that just they contribute nothing.
0: Yeah, and I think it can go back to like my own mindset too. Like when I was like, "Oh, well, if I just had five thousand dollars, I'd fix everything." But like if you were to just turn around and look at yourself and internalize stuff, like how can you improve your situation? It maybe it's something as simple as you know what? Like let's get a piece of paper out and write a budget out exactly yeah, that's how what's going on. It's how much that would improve your life? It did amaze me. Yeah, I had no idea what I was spending my money on until I wrote it down. Yeah. And I continue to do so and I actually enjoy it because oh, like now, too. like, like legit, I've said this before, I can walk into an, I, I can walk into a situation where I need to spend money like groceries, for example. Okay. Yeah. Groceries are expensive. They've doubled in the last five years for me. Um, but I can still walk into the grocery store and be like, I've got X amount of money in my budget for groceries. I can walk out of here with a thousand dollars worth of groceries and I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, I just made myself broke. No, it's mm-hmm. in the budget. I have a budget for, I'm making the, the income, like it's all accounted for, yeah. you know? And it that like that planning like just gives
1: you peace me peace of mind yeah exactly and that's just one thing you know like I've got many things like that I find budgeting and expense tracking like it it forces me to sit down for longer than like one second the way I do it right because I do mine at the end of the month and I just look back at the month before and I I track my expenses so it's not a true budget um, but because I'm doing a full month worth of like you know money in money out it. I probably sit down for about a half an hour figuring all this stuff out and it forces me to like really scrutinize all of my purchases <laughs> like I'll be looking at it's like okay I bought coffee this day I bought coffee that day I bought coffee that day or like holy crap I spent a lot at Costco what the hell did I buy you know like it forces me to scrutinize my purchases and then it, that you know being very cognizant of what I've been spending my money on when I go out you know the following week to go buy whatever I'm like a little more disciplined with how I spend my money I think you know what last month I bought a lot of stupid shit let's just reel it in this month right Mm. and I think a lot of people don't consider their finances at all like they don't think at all about this stuff right and and it's so uh, we've really taken the the emotional connection out of money by making everything on you know tap and cards and stuff where it it doesn't even feel real. Like how many times you go to the grocery store and pay and well, maybe not you cause you track your budget, but like the listeners, how many times do you tap your card at the grocery store and you don't, you walk out of there and you're like, what did I just spend? How much was that tap? <laughs> I just did that yesterday. I was, I luckily I get the receipt and I was walking out and I am like, what the hell did that cost? So I looked and it was like only a few things. It was like 60 bucks. And I thought, holy crap, I did not realize I spent that much. So yeah, I think it's important to actually think about these things in depth.
0: You got a lot of notes, so you have more to talk. Yeah, about.
1: some of the stuff I probably won't say because it's a little mean and uh, <laughs> maybe a little too blunt. We should um,
0: make a segment or like an episode dedicated to Dan's rant, and then like, <laughs> and then have it like, like get put um, what do you the call it? Disclaimer, a disclaimer <laughs> saying, hey, like Dan's gonna be really angry. <laughs> <laughs> angry Dan um, rant. I, kind
1: of, I wanted to bring up a little discussion point though with you, see kind of what your thoughts are because I've been reading a lot. <laughs> I was things
0: I have a lot to say about that.
1: Yeah, kind of. Okay, go ahead. Um, it's sort of circling back to that thought of motivation. How like the world, at least in my circles, um, seems like people don't have a lot of motivation. And and I started thinking about like why. Like, has it always been that way, or is it more prevalent? And and I'm of the theory that people are are having less motivation these last like couple of years, especially it's becoming pronounced. And I just wanted your thoughts on like why do you think people aren't super motivated? Whether that's in like you know. Getting the career, getting the promotion, or like hustling—you know, getting side jobs, working hours—like why? Why do you think people aren't super into it these days?
0: Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I think. I don't know. Um, I. I think people are going about certain things the wrong way. I know a lot of people that are in debt that are continuing to go to school, taking things that I don't even know if it's going to advance their career or not. Um, I. I think. I feel like people are overthinking things and expecting too much. And there's something to be said about like common sense and hard work Mm -hmm. um, and passion. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I can't speak to too much on the motivation piece. It's not something I really put lots of thought into because like, it just annoys me (laughs) or lack thereof,
1: I should say. Um, Well, like what you said about passion, like I think, I mean, you've known me my (laughs) whole life. Uh, getting my career path, like when this was in the planning phases, have you ever heard me talk about how my career, like what it was going to pay me, like before I got into this career? Did you ever hear that come up? I don't think so. No. it was. I didn't even know what this job paid. I didn't care. I was passionate about the work. And as I got into the career, I then learned that like, hey, if you put in the time, you start making more and more money. And there's lots of opportunities out there. Um, but, but passion was the North star, like I'm doing this because I like to do this. This is what I want to do. And I think in a lot of fields, maybe not every field, but in many fields, if you are passionate, that's pro like truly passion, not fake passion. Like you're, you're living, breathing for this stuff. I think if that drives you, it's going to make you good at whatever it is, right? Because you're going to be working twice as hard as the other person. Cause it's not going to feel as much like work for you. Right. And as you get better and better at this thing it's going to open up more and more opportunities for you and these opportunities often translate into money right so i think if you follow the passion a lot of the times the money's going to follow not necessarily there will be exceptions but i think that's that's definitely something to consider when choosing a career path right um, that being said not all passions bring money or or like reasonably expected to bring money like if Jordan was super passionate about playing guitar, like, yeah, that might make him a millionaire, but the odds aren't in his favor. You know what I mean? Like, um, So, yeah, passion is a pretty interesting thing. But um, I had a few notes. You know, I've been reading a couple of books that have been sort of circling on this. And I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, and my theory on this whole lack of motivation is because I think that the world has become a very complex place in the last, let's just call it the internet age, since the internet came and got super like important in our lives. I think the world got complex, but people got dumber. And I don't mean like you specifically, Like we all did, I got dumber, we're all dumber. And I think we're dumber Like in the sense that our attention span has just been whittled down to basically nothing, which means we never think that deeply about topics because our attention span is like five seconds. Like if I'm not, if people don't send me a TikTok video, I don't watch it. You know what I mean? Like if it's not a, if, if you send me a 12 minute video, there's a good chance I'm not going to watch it. You know what I mean? And, and that's true for many things. And I think not being able to think deeply about stuff is really affecting our like ability to problem solve and reason. Um, and I also think that the super complex world is, is affecting our ability to find like meaning in the jobs that we do, right? Because... In the jobs in this like new technological age, like we got these sort of complex jobs where success isn't really clearly defined. Like think about your employees in your job, okay? If, if I'm a woodworker, okay, let's say uh, I'm like a medieval, here's an example, I'm a medieval blacksmith, okay? <laughs> I can define success by, like, working hard on a piece of steel and, like, you know, hammering it out and melting it, smelting it, whatever they do. I don't know. I'm not a blacksmith. But at the end of the day, I pull up this wicked sword and it's sharp and it's shiny and it's strong as all hell and it looks fantastic. And that's success. That's very clear to me. I made a fantastic sword. How do your employees define success? Do you know the answer to that? Like, do they have a clear indicator of, like, I won today? for themselves because <laughs> a clear like
0: a clear success path would be like successfully helping a client okay whatever. but even then
1: so you've got a client like i've helped them in this moment but are your are your employees 100 satisfied that the help i've provided this client that's going to stick this client's now going to have a great life for the rest of their life in this, in this capacity. Sometimes. You think? Yeah. You think more often though, you're watching a client, I don't know, I guess get discharged or whatever. I'm not really sure yeah. how they get discharged. Like, do you think more often than not, you're like watching them walk out the door and you're like, "This is. A, there's a chance that I might see that person again. Oh yeah, for sure. All so, time. So that success is like, it's sort of conditional versus the blacksmith. He's like, Hey, that sword's great. I'm going to sell that to an army and he's going to go stab somebody. I don't know. Like. It's just to me, it's like a black and white success versus like a sort of an unclear definition of success. And I think when you don't have a clear definition of success, it makes it harder and harder to find meaning if that's what you're attributing your meaning to. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to enjoy a job when you don't feel like you're winning at it. You know? And I found that in my own job in certain things that I try to do. Like if I'm if I'm attacking a task head on, it's a complicated task, and I find myself meeting a lot of dead ends or roadblocks or not making progress on it. That like psychologically brings me down. Like I don't like my going to work that that week or month. I, like it frustrates me and I'm feeling down. But when I do get these wins, where it's like a clear, like, hey, like we've signed this thing off, or we've created this new program, or I've bought this new kit that's going to be helpful. Like those wins, and like those are clear wins, and that makes me happy. So I think think that in looking for meaning for work, one of the big things that we need is like clear measures of success. And with these complicated jobs. I don't think that we have these clear successes like we used to when we were just like, you know, building stuff with wood and like, whatever, right <laughs> like, like these non-internet jobs, right? Or like, whatever, like even like human resources, I'd imagine that in many cases, you would not have very clear successes. I mean, there would be some examples of it, but that's, that's sort of my, my theory on that. Um, and then I think the other side of success or, or not success of meaning is like, some people find meaning outside of work and that's cool. That's probably great to have a balance of both of these things. But like, if you go back to like the, uh, what they call it, the atomic family, like back in like the fifties or whatever, the sixties, like, um, after, after world war two, um, really everybody sort of came home and like people's meaning was to like, Get a job at a factory or whatever, you know, build some cars. So you got your clear successes there, and then you would make enough income from that job to like start a family, have a wife, a bunch of kids, you know, build a house, build a life, and, and that was like the other meaning. It's like I go and hammer away at these pieces of steel all day to put food on the table for my family and to put a roof over the heads, and like that's that's what gives me meaning in life. And I don't think that's really realistic anymore because in order to have that that family. It's like husband and wife need to go or wife and wife or husband, whatever the family needs to be working to afford that house. And right now, like even that's not enough, you know, like if you didn't buy a house five years ago, you need to be a very high earner to buy a house right now, let alone have a family. Like there's all these complaints around the world that the population is declining in many countries because no one's having kids. Well, no one's having kids because kids are so expensive and the world outlook is so gloomy. So I think people are not finding meaning in at work. Like obviously there's exceptions, but a lot of people aren't finding meaning in their job and they're not finding meaning outside of their job. So it just leaves this like, what's the point of any of this? Like, why am I, what is my motivation? You know what I mean? Anyways, this is my, uh, my really out there thoughts on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah.
0: I, I don't know. So the only like tangible example I have of this is I have a buddy who's looking to buy a house right now and he's in a really expensive market. Um, Now, yes, housing prices have gone up everywhere, but there are certain pockets in Canada that are more expensive and he's in one of those. And he's trying to decide between like basically a million dollar house (laughs) or the $600,000 house. And he makes a good income. Um, you know, he's making, you know, 140,000 a year. So, but I'm just like, I don't know. A lot of times I'm thinking like, could you not just to get into the housing market, just buy a cheap place, like a rundown place. And like, I don't know, a lot of this stuff, like we're not, you know, I don't know, there's lots unpacked, there's a lot of factors, but I'm just saying like, could you not just, and also like, I'm biased in this whole thing because like I was, very um, well off and I've had a lot of support and, and like we're, we're I'm in the category of like family money help me buy a house like um, so that's what got me kicked off which is nice but I don't know like to me at this point if I needed to you know get into the housing market I I wouldn't be looking at at all the 800 to million dollar house like the 800 000. there's that no wouldn't, way I that would
1: mean. that would not interest me with my current income no I, I and
0: I would be looking at the like you know I don't know. I don't know. I just find people's expectations are high. Like, um, you know, I've got, I've got people that like come into starter jobs, you know, expecting to, you know, make tons more money and get promoted like right away or like have the weekends off or not have to work all the different shifts. I, I, you know, I've got like this, this particular person's like looking at these super expensive houses. Can you not look at like a two, $300,000 house? I realize at this point it's going to buy you garbage, but like if you start with garbage and work at it and make it nicer, like you could sell it for more. You would, will probably sell it for more money later on yeah. and that'll get you started. Even if it's only for a couple of years. And I just feel like people are very uncomfortable with discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that,
1: and I'm feeling like the expectations are too high. Yeah, but no, I, I think your advice is like could could be sound. I mean, you have to do a lot of research on the market, what you're buying, and all that stuff. But like when I bought my first condo, it was it was nice, like it was fine, but it was definitely a starter home. I bought it for like two hundred and something thousand. By the time I sold it, many years later, I basically doubled my money. Um, So that was a a factor of, you know, timing factored into that, but also some of the work I'd put into it as well. Um, And then I also had the roommate for about half the time that I lived there, which really helped offset the expenses and build the equity without having to like bleed myself for it. Um, So, yeah, I think there's something to be said for like, okay maybe lower your lower the bar, get into the market. You know, there might be some way to sort of hack it, whether it's a rental situation, a roommate or a reno Um, but that might be your foot in the door and then trade up and like, look where I am now. I sold that condo and I've put those proceeds towards buying what I believe to be a very nice house. I'm very pleased with my house. Right now, if I just try to skip that condo step, I definitely would not be living in the house I'm living in now. Yeah. And like, that, I guess that's my point. Like, so like this guy's
0: got it half decently figured out. He got a new job. He's worked hard at this job. He's making good money. He's working that like he did. That's not his salary. That's, that's extra. And he's working the extra really? and stuff. Yeah. So like income's great. Like you've won, buddy. Keep it up. Yeah. Right. But like, I just just lower that bar a little bit. You can get, and I've tried to tell him that. Like, he's saying, like, "Oh, I'm looking at this like three hundred thousand dollar place, but like it's a two hour commute, and like oh, there's all okay. these, there's all these problem. problems. <laughs> there's all these problems, and oh, blah maybe, blah. Maybe buy it, rent it out. It's the line of work that he's in. He works like a long stretch at a time, and he's got like a few days off. So like the commute to me wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like I and mean, he would I, commute once and then be at work for days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That might make sense. Yeah, so, so like, I don't know, like, again, I'm not in his scenario, and, like, he is living in, like, a crazy weather area as well, like, winters are pretty crazy and stuff Mm -hmm. too, so, I mean, like, that, you have to factor some things in as well, Hmm. but, I like, even if you just did that for a year or two, just to get your foot in the door in the housing market, you know, because then you can sell that place for a little bit more. Especially Um, if you put some work into it. Yeah. You know, put a little bit of money into it, work into it, whatever. And like, you don't have to do much. Like you can, there's a lot of stuff you can do yourself. And like, this is a particular individual that doesn't like, has a lot of free time aside from his work. He doesn't really do anything else. Like you could easily like take up a passion for carpentry and painting, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I just think that there's like, again, like lower the bar, the expectations are too high in a lot of factors. Um, and just talking about housing and stuff, something that's been really grinding my gears lately is when people like post, um, stuff about how boomers like have it made, like, oh, they bought their house for $50,000 and now they can sell it for 5 million, which isn't, um, it, it's not, that's that, that could be true. It probably is. But like, there's all so much to unpack just with that statement. Mm-hmm. Like back then when someone bought a house for 50,000, they were making like, you know, ten bucks an hour or whatever I don't know whatever the salary was like the salary was way different back then right the money like yeah. the value of the dollar was way different back then and you know they had to pay taxes on this house and and upkeep and all this different stuff right so I mean like yes it's a, a, typically real estate especially in Canada is a sound investment yeah. usually um, but I, I, I just I don't think it's fair. To like shit on somebody from a certain generation because of how they're sitting right now. I think oh, most right. people that have gone through that have worked for it. If we yeah. just look at our own parents as an example, yeah. right? Like they've worked their asses off, mm-hmm. right? And they're in a pretty good position right now in retirement. Very in retirement. Dad actually just officially retired last right. week. Um, but like they busted their asses yeah. off to do that you know and i think people are just missing that work ethic well, and, is- and i i'm seeing it on the front lines of my job and i'm i maybe i'm like over like thinking it and like like taking my small sample and gr- you know grandiosing yeah. it but but i'm just like with conversations I'm having with individual people about how broke they're complaining they are, but yet they're spending thousands yeah. of dollars to go to school. They're not picking up extra shifts. They're calling in sick all the time. They they perform pretty shitty at their job mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, the camaraderie's not there. There's no teamwork. They don't give a fuck about anybody else. Yeah. Um, and like, I I don't find people realize how all of that translates, mm-hmm. right? Like when you have an employee, as an example, that just shits on everyone all the time even if they get a master's degree you think that person applies internally they're going to be like oh i want to apply for this master's degree position yeah
1: you are a net negative to this you suck (laughs) like i'm not going
0: to put you in that position with the experience that we've had right like you should be as positive of an influence in the lowest paying job as you would be in the highest paying that's exactly right
1: yeah and I'm just, I'm no, like, I, yeah, I don't it's Yeah, circling back to this whole, like, you know, crapping on the boomers for having it good, it's like, that that whole logic is really flawed. It's like basically being mad at somebody because they had some sort of good thing happen to them. You know what I mean? It's like, if you won the lottery, I'd be like, just criticizing you for it. Like, oh, well, you just bought a ticket and you're a lucky guy. Like, oh, you think you're so cool? And meanwhile, you're just like, man, I'm just living my life here. <laughs> I don't know why you hate me. Yeah, um, like, and, and I think if you flash forward like 40 years, the future generation will be complaining about how we had it so easy, probably, right? Or like, oh, they bought a house you know 40 years ago, and now it's worth like eight trillion dollars. Oh, yeah, it must be nice, but it right now it's tough, man. Like, so I don't know, I think we shouldn't be like comparing what you have versus what other people have. Like, be happy for other people's successes and find your own way to your own success, you know, like, just like they can be successful and you can also be successful and you don't have to be like critical of that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't really buy into that so much. And and I find that's another case where I see that a lot on social media. It's like people like to shit on other people's success. Uh, and this is sort of that spiral of negativity we're talking about where it's like, it's easy to criticize somebody else and and then kind of in effect blame that person for your problems or, or sort of contrast like, well, they're only doing so well because they had a certain advantage. I don't have that advantage. Therefore, you shouldn't expect anything from me. It just sort of like takes the burden off them. And it's like, okay, man, like I, I really don't care what you do, but your criticizing other people isn't going to make your life or anybody's life better. So like just drop that line of thought and start finding ways to make your own life better. Mm. Yeah. And if you look like,
0: I don't know, getting back to the work ethic thing, like just like, just, you don't have to look far, look at just you and I, you know, like, you started off busting your ass off in a forest, getting eaten alive by mosquitoes the same size as you, and I loved every minute of it. Well, looking back, <laughs> regardless regardless of that sentiment, right? You busted your ass off, yep. You know, and you went from making X amount to like I'm sure you've doubled your income your oh, career yeah, from that, yeah, easily. Um, you know, and then if I look back at my own like career, like like me too, like I started literally like the Drake song. Isn't Drake sing that? I started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah, like. I literally started, I was like comparable to nursing. I was lifeguarding. Like that's the bottom of the barrel of nursing. Mm -hmm. I mean, could be a lot of medical fields if you think about it. Like I started lifeguarding. Then I was a PSW. Like I was was cleaning people's fucking private parts for a living. And, and like, I don't mean to shit on that job. It, It was, it's a good job. And I envy, or I, I'm envious of the people that are passionate and do that job really well. But like, I remember when I was doing that job, I was getting shit on by people saying like, well, that's like the worst job ever. I'm like, yeah, it's a hard job. But like, I worked my way up to to now. I'm like I'm literally in management now. Like I would have never thought that that trajectory was going to happen, and it happened because of hard work. I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the like. I didn't go back to school and 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 you know get all the crazy education. And maybe I could have gotten in the same trajectory if I did go back to school, but like I just I didn't. And I'm just I don't have the I didn't have the mental capacity to do that. Um, And it's just it's just like work ethic and hard work. And you know, look at my wife for an example, like. She worked in a kitchen for God's sakes for forever. And now she's working for the federal government and she's like moving up the ranks. And it's like, it's all work ethic. Yeah. We're not like overly smart people here. I'm sure we have average IQ. Yeah. It's just like, we go in day in, day out, we put in the work, we're pleasant about it. We work well with others and it's just like one foot in front of the other, you know, and, and, and just keep, keep grinding. <laughs> it's a grind.
1: Yeah. And it's, I, that was one of my other notes. Um, but I kind of have that same thought, too. Like, it's not about being the smartest person. And really, the, the smarter I get, the more I realize that the people around me that I, like, look up to or think have it all figured out. Like, nobody has it all figured. It's very, very rare. Like, the only people who have a lot of stuff figured out is, like, the super geniuses, like the Einsteins of the world. Like, the people, like, your boss and your boss's boss, they're not really that much smarter than you. They've just put in more reps than you have right? Like they've been in the role longer. They've been in the field longer. They've been through some adversities that maybe you haven't experienced yet. And that experience that they get from showing up every single day and putting in the work, that experience made them into what you believe is this like smart figure, but they're not that smart. They're just, they're just there. They're just showing up. They're just doing it, you know, and you could be that. You could be that too. You just keep showing up and you put in the work and you do it. And like I talked about earlier, like do the things that move the ball forward and read and and get those reps in like you could catch up to these people, right? And you could have great successes as well. You can even leap from people because people get complacent and they let off the gas. So if you keep showing up being a positive contributor, you work hard, you think like don't just think of like what, okay, I'm the low person on the totem pole. So what is my job? Think about that and get really good at that. But also in the back of your mind, start thinking, what is the role above me doing? What would they expect? How could I make this organization and that person's life better? How can I take in that's called initiative, right? What are the things that I can do that aren't explicitly asked of me in order to propel this, this organization or this task forward? And if you do those things within reason, so you're not overstepping, because in some roles, like my job, you wouldn't want to do the top of the chains job, but in, in if you take small steps towards going above and beyond that gets noticed and that eventually opens up opportunities definitely but it's not just a one and done thing this is like consistently do this consistently show up and consistently put in the effort yep. and it's you'd be amazed at what that does for your career and and probably for your enjoyment and satisfaction of your career yeah in my line of work um i i i have like i have
0: a mental note of like the things that have transpired okay to just put it general like that and you know I have a few stars that I've made a list you know and it's a short list but there's a couple and if if problem with the environment I'm in is it's a unionized environment so like a lot of things need to go through that process and sometimes the most deserving person doesn't get but if but you bet your boots if something comes up and I have any any say at all, I'm going to those those people that I made that those notes of yep. right. I've the, the the ones that are the and and I have three. I have three people right now that like they're not the smartest. They don't have the most education. They don't even have the most experience. But they show up. Yeah. They do the little things, and they they don't complain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> really. Uh. You know. Like and they and they and they never call in sick. Yeah. And every time I call them and say hey I need something covered, which is a huge portion of my job of scheduling, they're yes men. They're yes people. They always say yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying you can't take a sick day. I'm not saying, you, you know, if you, need you need to do things, you need to do things and things happen. And I get that. I'm just saying that like, I, I, I'm, I, when you were first starting this, I was thinking like, oh, here goes Dan's rant. But I, I think you're right. Move the ball. Fo- you are right. Move the ball forward. Be that person. Right. And it doesn't have to be this huge thing. You don't need to become a
1: genius. Just no. like do the dishes and, and show up. Yeah. And I, I've got, <laughs> I got a similar thing to you. Like I've got a group of people that, that. I don't want to say work for me because I don't really see the relationship that way. But basically, I I have various tasks and they help me accomplish these tasks. So I'm kind of like the quarterback of this, right? And same thing, unionized environment, whatever. And of these people, I've got, uh, let's say, about 25 that are kind of in this role. And of that 25, there's probably six or seven, just like you say, my star players. And and many of them are not the most senior person, not by a long shot. They're kind of the opposite of the spectrum. but they when when I need them, they come through, they're reliable, they step up, they go above and beyond, they do things better than I expected um, and also I'll, I have one in particular. this guy just shows up and says, "What can I do for you like without a prompt, without <laughs> I ask hey and he, like not just once, like multiple times, hey, if you've got anything on your plate that you need help with, let me know he just like he's just always there, you know, yeah, so. Because it's a unionized environment, I can't, like, give these guys a promotion. It's just, that's not my role. It's not how it works. But what does happen is I get many opportunities for various projects that I've got on the cooker, and sometimes I get to tap people for overtime to do certain things that are highly specialized that not a lot of people can do, and I'm choosing from my pool of 25, and guess guess who's first in my mind to tap for these things? It's the people who have proven to me that they're going to show up, get the job done and do well, regardless of like education, experience, whatever. It's the people I've had very, very good working experiences with that are front of mind for me because I, they've, they've proven themselves. Right. And they continue to do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And as much as I didn't see it before, like that's exactly what happened with me. Like I was the yes man. I showed up. Like, I rarely didn't show up. If my boss needed something done, I would do it. I remember, like, way back, she had asked me one time saying, hey, like, this place is a mess. Do you mind sweeping and mopping the floors, even though I know it's not part of your job in a unionized environment? And I said, absolutely. Like, I'm sitting here. I'm making the hourly rage. You can just tell me to mm-hmm. do anything, and I'll do it, basically, at this point. You know, and some people don't do that. Some people be like, no way. Like, that's the cleaner's job. That's not a nurse's job. I'm not doing that. And mm-hmm. like, no, like, screw that. You get asked to do something, you're doing a favor for somebody that's higher up. And you know what? Like, maybe it wasn't the that specific moment of me sweeping the floors that got me this job, but you bet your boots it was my boss had a notch, you know, had my name written somewhere saying, hey, you know what? That's, that's my star player. Or one of my star players, right? Yep. And, and you never know things, you know, even in the most stable unionized, whatever environments you're in, things come up. Things always come up. Yeah. Like, and if anyone has any say or any power, like I, I'm telling you, man, like I, I I remember there's been positions that have come up where like there was the more senior person that deserved it and I found every possible advantage that I could that the person with less senior seniority could get it from a from a um, process, like an actual process. Um, and I actually like contacted the person that had less seniority. And I said, hey, do you have this? And they're like, no. And I'm like, could you get it? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, could you get it yesterday? And they're like, yes. And then they went and did it. And I got them the job over the the more senior person. Mm. That way I had the ammunition that if it got like, you know, um, grieved or anything, I'd be like, no, no, they have like the more qualifications or whatever it was that I was asking for. Mm. Um, you know, things like that happen, like all these small things. Right. So, yeah.
1: Anyway, I don't know. We've been going on for a while now. So, yeah, it's probably a good place to, to wrap it up before I get on another rant. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay, well, uh, any closing thoughts?
0: Closing thoughts are, you know what, we're going to um, we're going to come up with more specific episodes moving forward. I don't know if we're going to be doing it weekly, but I think every, at least once a month is not unreasonable.
1: Yeah. Um, but I'd like to get back to at least bi-weekly. Yeah, I mean, we shoot for bi-weekly. A good flow would be uh, bi-weekly. So. Bi-weekly, and, uh, and yeah, and we can focus on some, uh, some more money-specific topics uh, in the next episode, maybe, because uh, that's sort of our bread and butter. But uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, sounds good. All oh, right. and if you
0: guys haven't already, we had a really fun episode with our, our boys over at Simpleton Cinema. We reviewed the best mm. Christmas movie ever,
1: so check that out. We'll link it in the description. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, and that, I think it's kind of what inspired us to pick this weekend to, to get going on this because we had so much fun filming that with our buddies that uh, we thought, hey, we should, uh, we should get back on our own, like, immediately. So here we are. All right, well, thanks for coming by, and we'll see you next time.
0: Ciao.